In today's Ticker Tapes episode, retired chartered surveyor Chris tells us how much he looked forward to his regular Saturday morning park runs. That was until he knew something wasn't right after experiencing an increased level of chest pain. In disbelief, he was told he'd suffered a heart attack and was to undergo bypass surgery. On waking up, I was told that I'd actually had a triple bypass operation. Now, the first thought you would think was, oh, that's far worse than I expected. But actually, there was an overwhelming sense that, well, at least it's done now. I'm on the road to recovery, hopefully, and the worst is behind me. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, Chris, in his 60s and considering himself in good shape medically, reveals how he's come to terms with his situation, but now feels better than before, doing plenty of walking, travelling and gardening. And in his own words, life is back to normal. Chris, first of all, why did you feel it important to tell your story? Well, perhaps like many people, I had this vision of somebody who had a heart attack, being overweight, a couch potato, ate chips all the time. Well, I was none of those things, but it happened to me. So I just want to try and get across to people that anybody but anybody can have a heart attack. Let's go back then. Tell me about life in the time leading up to your heart attack. As a retired chartered surveyor, it seems you enjoyed a really active life, as you implied, exercising regularly, enjoying time with friends, gardening, travelling. A youthful outlook on life, it seems, and a regular runner too. Yes, that's all correct. I did the park run every Saturday, which is a 5k race around the local park. Uh, I also did 10k races and even a couple of half marathons. In addition, I uh, love travelling, I enjoy gardening, enjoy socialising, going out for meals, the usual sort of thing that everybody does. I wasn't on any medication whatsoever, never been in hospital overnight once in my life. And so I just thought all was good and I'd be like this forever. So... I gather you started developing chest pain in early 2020. How did things unfold from there? It must have left you feeling really anxious. Well, it did and it didn't, because I didn't think too much of it. It would be about 2020, a couple of years before the heart attack. I'd set off running and I'd get a bit of an ache in my chest. Nothing serious. And it went within 10, 15 seconds. So I assumed it was either the cold air uh, or else just something muscular. I didn't, as I say, I just didn't think of it, anything of it. So I wasn't especially anxious about it. So take me forward then to April 2022. What happened then? Well, I'd been away for the weekend and whilst away, I did get some strange aches and pains in my chest. But again... I I didn't think anything about them. I just thought it was one of those things, just old age, basically. But I came back home and uh, that was on the Monday. The Tuesday, I decided I'd go for a bit of a run because I was down to do a 10k race the following Saturday. So perhaps unusually, I drove 
some distance, about 10 miles, to another park where there's always lots of joggers and decided I'd set off for a run. I'd only been running oh, two to three minutes maximum and this pain came back again in my chest. But this time it was much worse and so I decided I would walk back to the car and hopefully drive the 10 miles back home. And what about the days leading up to that, Chris? How do you remember feeling? I mean, were there any warning signs at all? No, other than, as I say, I was away that weekend and I did have some strange aches and pains in my chest, but they didn't seem to be anything serious. I, I didn't consider that it may be something more serious, such as a heart attack. So you had to stop running. You drove home. Did you feel anxious about, could you drive? Should I be driving? I got into the car and waited about 15 minutes. And I didn't perhaps think it was the best idea. But on the other hand, there was a little bit at the back of my mind thinking, supposing this is serious. If it is, I don't want to have the car left in a public park. I want to get it back home where it can go into my garage and that's it. So it was a fairly uneventful drive home and I kept thinking, well, I don't feel well, but I do feel well enough to drive. So I got home safe and sound, put the car in the garage and then came into the house. So you're back home. We usually feel comfortable when we're back home in our familiar surroundings, don't we? But you realise something still really wasn't right. Indeed. I was so pleased to be back in the house and uh, I just lay on the settee for a while and I thought everything would pass. I'd still got the dull ache in my chest, but it wasn't severe. I certainly wasn't clutching my chest and rolling in agony on the floor, but it was still noticeable. So I waited about half an hour and then decided, well, this might be something more serious. I think I'd better call for an ambulance. So that's what I did. And in the meantime, I went next door to my neighbours and they came and uh, sat with me in the house. That must have been reassuring and supportive. But you had quite a wait then, didn't you, for the ambulance to arrive? I did. It took about four hours before the ambulance came. My neighbours sat with me for a while. But to be honest, they weren't able to do anything. So I suggested they went back home and call in every now and again, which is what they did. Eventually, the ambulance did come, and from then on, things speeded up quite dramatically. They took an ECG in the house and two more in the ambulance. Neither were particularly conclusive one way or the other, so that's when they decided to take me to the hospital. You must have been relieved when they finally arrived. I mean, four hours is a long while to wait, isn't it? It certainly is, although it did go quite quickly, and... I've got to say, I was just glad to be lying on the seat. I'd managed to get my car home. So tell me what happened then when you got to hospital. Right, well, I got to the hospital and I was seen immediately by a cardiologist in a private room. And he, along with the ambulance staff, couldn't decide whether or not I'd had a heart attack. At this stage, I was thinking, well, it's obviously not. It's just indigestion or something. It certainly isn't anything serious. And they did a few tests on me. They did another ECG, various other bits and bobs to me. And then the cardiologist returned and he said, well, you have had a, a minor heart attack and you've also lost 25% function of your heart. 
A bit later, another cardiologist came and said, there's no such thing really as a minor heart attack. You've had a heart attack full stop. So an awful lot of information to take in there, a lot of messages you're having to process. How did you cope with that? It wasn't easy. I'd obviously be lying if I said it was, especially because, don't forget, I've never been in a hospital overnight in my life. And I just thought, no, this isn't happening to me. It's a big mistake. So my main feeling, I suppose, was one of disbelief. But of course, slowly but surely, it starts to sink in that I am ill and, you know, the best place is where I am and let's get it sorted. You must have had a lot of questions at that point, Chris, that you wanted to ask, I think. I certainly did. But at the time, you, you, you think of them, but you're really just lying there and just being prodded and poked and having various things done to you. All, of course, are brand new to me. As I said, I can't stress too much that having never been in a hospital overnight, I thought I'll be let home within the next few minutes, but it wasn't to be. So how did things unfold from there? I went into the heart ward. This was at the General Hospital in Aintree, near Liverpool. And I was told I would be there for about a week and then I would be sent to the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital, which specialises in heart attacks. And they said, when I got there, I would be given, um, I think it's called an angioplasty. And it basically sends a, a dye through your veins and they can see there what the problem is. So a week after I arrived at Aintree, true to their word, I was moved to um, the Liverpool Heart and Chest Hospital. And on that same day, I did indeed have the angioplasty. I was told that one of three things would happen. I would either be sent home that day with some medication or else given a stent, which would also be done that day and I would be home that night, or very unlikely, I would need surgery. So I had the procedure and then the guy who was doing it all said to me, ah, you know, we said that uh, it would be one of the three and the third was the most unlikely. Well, I'm afraid you do need a third. It's the surgery that you'll need. And I remember me and my naivety saying, will that be done tonight? And of course he says, oh no, it'll be two or three weeks and you'll have to stay in the hospital until we do it. Mm. What's going through your mind at this point, Chris? I think I was still thinking this can't be happening to me. I mean, I, I wasn't especially scared. I thought they know what they're doing. And what alternative have I got? I can't, much as I would like to, just run away from the hospital, go back home and forget all about it. I just had to take its course and see what happened. So you have this mental timetable of events in your mind about how the next few days are going to unfold? Yes, that's right. I was told that uh, it would be about three weeks. I was actually given a date and it was three weeks from then. And unfortunately, at that time, COVID restrictions were still in existence. So I couldn't have any visitors. And the ward, which only contained six beds, was sort of a acute ward, an acute ward. So there was no television allowed. It was It had to be kept quite quiet. A week later, the 
consultant came to see me and he said that uh, the provisional dates are always subject to change. And I was just sitting there thinking, oh, he's going to postpone it even longer now. But no, he just suddenly said, so he says, I can fit you in tomorrow morning. Bear in mind, this is just a week since I arrived and two weeks since my heart attack. So, of course, from then on, you start thinking, well, it, it's happening now. And much as I didn't want it to happen, it was a necessary uh, procedure that I'd got to get through. So I thought, right, well, let's get going. So how emotionally are you preparing for something like that? I just think that although it's not something anybody would want to go through, you do realise that you've got to think of it, well, this is me now. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't like the thought of an operation. Nobody does. But on the other hand, try and think four weeks from now, back home and it'll all be over and I can get back to my normal life. So I think I was quite philosophical about it all. And what do you remember most about the day? I remember most about the day. Um, I remember having to shave myself all over, a fascinating experience. And then what was really nice was a, a friend of mine, his, his wife came to see me. She works at the hospital. So bear in mind, I hadn't had any visitors. So it was lovely to see a familiar face. And uh, she actually worked on the um, heart ward. And uh, so it was good that she was there. And it was just before I went down into the theatre. So I had a familiar face wishing me well. And then I got into the theatre and I do remember the anaesthetist, who was a really lovely lady. She came to see me the day before to explain the procedure. But um, as I was uh, going out, I think that's the technical term, they were discussing the uh, cost of the machine. And I know the machine that uh, they were talking about cost £42,000. And the next thing I knew, I was back and I was in ICU. The British Heart Foundation's life-saving research is giving hope to so many people. If you feel you'd like to support our work, do please consider a donation by going to bhf.org.uk slash donatepod. And now back to the conversation. Chris, you woke up then in ICU. What was the first thing you were told? I was told by the cardiologist that the operation had gone well. I thought, excellent. I'd also been told before the operation that I would need a bypass operation. Fine. But then, on waking up, I was told that although the operation had gone well, I'd actually had a triple bypass operation because three of my arteries were furred up. Now, the first thought you would think was, oh, that's far worse than I expected. But actually, there was an overwhelming sense that, well, at least it's done now. I'm on the road to recovery, hopefully, and the worst is behind me. So a combination, I suppose, of surprise, but at the same time, relief. Perhaps I'd use shock rather than surprise, but yes, certainly mainly relief. And again, more mixed emotions, I suppose. Exactly, yes. Tell me about the first steps of your recovery. Well, I uh, was allowed home within five days. And I should perhaps just add that um, 
the consultant was very good and he said I would make a full recovery as not to worry. I'd done nothing wrong, I didn't need to make any changes to my lifestyle. In fact, he actually said to me, he should be in the bed rather than me and I should be doing the operation on him. But I um, think that uh, it was probably as well we did it the way we did. But it was his words that helped me through it. When I got back home, I kept thinking, you are fit overall and you will make a full recovery. So that got me through the next three or four weeks. And what was the most challenging part of those early days of recovery, Chris? I think the um, the thought that I was given a lot of exercises to do and I had to do them. And at first, you obviously find it quite difficult, even just walking up the stairs. And I remember getting up in the morning, had a shower, and then had to lie on the bed for a few minutes before I could start getting dressed. And then suddenly one morning, I didn't need to stop, so I realised I was getting better. You did have an unexpected readmission to hospital in those early days, didn't you? I certainly did. After about three or four weeks, I had an appointment at the original hospital, the general hospital, um, for a cardio rehab appointment. That's where you do exercises to strengthen your heart. So I was all ready to do this and had a lift there and told my friend, Uh, She could collect me in an hour, but then suddenly they decided, they did a few tests and said I'd got an erratic heartbeat and I would have to stay in hospital again. And that really did hit me. I think that was perhaps my lowest moment because I thought I was doing okay and recovering well. You then managed to continue your recovery in a relatively short space of time didn't you and as you say you you began to rebuild your life Uh, you're now back exercising you're socializing you're traveling you're a busy lad what do you put that down to mainly and and what do you feel really helped you along the way well it's funny i was in the hospital that time for four days uh, apart from the erratic heartbeat they discovered i'd got fluid on my lungs So I was thinking, oh goodness, I'm going to be here forever. So I was so pleased to be out after four days. But this time when I got home, it was somehow different. I had my appetite back and everything seemed to be getting better much quicker. And I think overall, apart from, well, there are two things. One is the physical, in that I was told, as I said, by the um, consultant, I was very fit so I shouldn't have any problem recovering from the heart attack and operation. And then there was also the mental, in that I take my uh, my teaching from my old mum, who passed away back in 2019, and she had a very positive outlook on life. She would always look on the bright side and say, however bad it is, it'll be better tomorrow, and it usually is. So that got me through it, and it was amazing. I'd start to fancy my food again, enjoy it, start to go for walks. I uh, caught the bus for the first time and I just thought, goodness, normality's returning. And back to running as well? I didn't go back to running, but that was my choice. I've been a runner for over 30 years and I've just decided prior to the heart attack and absolutely nothing to do with the heart attack. I was just getting a bit bored with it. During lockdown, I walked far more, saw much more of the scenery, enjoyed myself more. And you don't have to get changed and unchanged. (laughs) You can just walk out in the clothes you're wearing. True. Tell me about support you received from the British Heart Foundation. 
well, I only thought about the British Heart Foundation, that they took furniture out of people's houses, as they did when my mum died, doing house clearance. But in the hospital, I've received some leaflets about uh, BHF, and so looking through those and then going onto the website, I discovered there was far more to it than that. I thought some of the recipes, there were so many of them on the site, are really good. I've made several of them. And some of the articles are excellent as well. It's just that they're very supportive. There's always somebody there if you need help. I had a small issue with one of my medications, which I couldn't really get the answer to. So I sent a question to BHF and they replied very fully in uh, within 48 hours. How do you feel, Chris, that the British Heart Foundation is committed to making sure that everyone receives the right care for them and factors such as, well, age or frailty are properly considered when making those clinical decisions? How do you feel about that? I think they have a broad brush approach and are able to support anybody and everybody from the very youngest to uh, the very oldest. I, uh, I heard on the news only the other day that a young lad of, I think, three or four is awaiting a heart transplant. And so it's that sort of... They, BHF are there for you every inch of the way almost, at, at any age. Mm. You may or may not be aware, Chris, that BHF-funded cardiologist Vijay Kanadian is conducting work specifically focused on older people who have heart attacks and improving outcomes for them. What would you say to her in light of your own experience? I think I'd say very simply, thank you very much. It's very much appreciated. And I think that her, uh, and, and probably her team as well, their research will help in the future. Because as I understand it, and obviously I've now become an expert on hearts, there's still a lot which we don't understand. So any research which is done by yourself and anybody else within the BHF is really useful and hopefully will save lives. And finally, what would your advice be to someone who's facing or experiencing or indeed recovering from a similar heart health journey to yours? What would you say to them? I think, as I've hinted already, what got me through it was just thinking that this is a really dark day. It can't get any worse. And that's probably it. It can't get any worse. Things will get better. And they do get better. I remember as again the cardiologist, the consultant rather, saying to me, you will make a full recovery. And so I did keep looking to the future and thinking it will get better. And it has. Well, Chris, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. For more information on the subject of heart attacks, visit our website at bhf.org.uk. Also, for any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health, and to talk to a cardiac nurse on the BHF's free heart helpline, just go to bhf.org.uk slash heart helpline. You'll find all the contact options there. Meanwhile, if you'd like to share your own heart story, or you have any thoughts on this episode, do contact us at the ticker tapes at bhf.org.uk.